Well, would you go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 5? We're actually uh, five weeks into the series on the book of Proverbs, which is Walking in the Way of Wisdom. We're going to conclude our series uh, next Sunday. It'll be a month and a half. That'll be week six. After that, we'll be doing a two and a half month, almost a three month study on the book of First Peter. And then after that, boom, we're going to have our Advent series, then Christmas. And just like that, 2021 will be in the books, if the Lord wills. All right. And uh, time is flying by so fast. Now, we began the book of Proverbs, with a premise that every day we make decisions, some simple, some complex. And it's been estimated that every day we, according to psychology today, we make 35,000 decisions each day. Now, the predominant uh, theme in Proverbs chapter 1 through Proverbs chapter 9 is that we have this... um, ability to choose and to consider and to make the right decisions. There's a a choice between uh, wisdom and folly. There's a contrast between righteousness and wickedness. And it's interesting in the prologue of chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, that wisdom and folly are personified. In other words, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, it, it presents to you the option that wisdom is out in the street, that wisdom um, is it's calling out, that wisdom is um, pursuing after us. And interestingly enough, um, folly or foolishness also calls out to us, Folly or foolishness, it entices us and it um, seduces us and calls out to us to follow uh, its path and its destination. So today we're going to talk about the, the wisdom of fidelity in marriage. Because there's wisdom in maintain, not just maintaining, but having a strong, healthy, joyful marriage. As we're going to learn in Proverbs chapter 5, that we are to rejoice in the wife of our youth. So let's go ahead and turn there. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. And her refers to the adulterous woman. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honor to others. And your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. Let's jump down to verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets? Your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone. Never to be shared with stranger. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. There's a popular motivational speaker 
um, an influencer. His name is uh, Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek has a viral video about the human brain. And in essence, he says that the human brain cannot comprehend the negative. It is incapable of comprehending the negative. And he says, it's true. I'll give you an example. And the students and the audience were jeering him on like, you can't prove that. He says, I'll give you an example how the human brain cannot comprehend the negative. Are you guys ready? He says, don't think of an elephant. Right? Ah, you're thinking of an elephant right now. You see that? That you cannot tell the human brain not to do something. What happens is that when we often is that when we reinforce things, we put things in the negative. And it's so important to convert things into the affirmative. Uh, we're supposed to do this to, to children, right? Instead of saying, hey, don't eat on the couch. What, do we, what are we supposed to tell them instead? Go eat on the table, right? We tell people what we want them to do, not what we don't want them to do. I mean, pilots do this all the time. If you tell a pilot, hey, uh, don't hit the obstacle. They're going to be so focused on the obstacle and not hitting it that they're going to eventually end up hitting it. They'll hit it. Um, skiers know this. If you've ever seen skiers go through the trees, uh, you know that it's very easy for them and it's surprisingly easy for them just to navigate through the trees. You know how they do it? If you go in your skis and you navigate through the trees, you don't go, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, or don't hit the tree, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree. Guess what you're watching? You're only looking at trees. All you're doing is watching for trees. And you don't understand how anyone can ski with all these trees. As opposed to when you're skiing, you say, follow the path, follow the snow, follow the path, follow the snow, follow the path, follow the snow. Well, in the first part of Proverbs 5, Solomon first seems to say, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, because he says, don't go into adulterous woman, don't go, don't even go to her door, don't even entertain her, don't listen to her words, don't be enticed by, by her um, seduction. But in, in verse 12, um, Solomon kind of switches his tone. Instead of saying, don't do this, don't do this, he, he begins to say, um, follow the path, follow the snow, follow the snow. When he says, you know what? Enjoy, rejoice in the wife of your youth. He says in verse 15, drink water from your own cistern. He's basically saying, hey, if the grass is greener on the other side, water your own lawn. And the main point of what I want us to live out this morning, and if you could walk away with anything, it is this. Would you write this down? Choose the happiness in your spouse that lasts 
a lifetime. Choose, make a deliberate decision, make a conscious um, volition of your will to exercise that you're going to choose the happiness in your spouse that's going to last a lifetime. Now, before I continue any further, I anticipate there's some uh, young people or some kids here or children. Oh, great. Uh, sermon or a talk about marriage. How is this going to apply to me? Uh, let me tell you something. When mom and dad have a healthy marriage, they're doing good with each other. Man, it's a happy, it's a happy home. You win. Your family wins. Everything is better. But really, even deeper than that, and even more foundational than that, if if they put Jesus first, and if they have this uh, intimate relationship with Jesus, and they're grow, growing closer in their relationship with God, then everything else would be amazing. Solomon says, "Rejoice in the wife of your youth." The word rejoice there is samach, which is um, in the English, in the Old Testament, it's repeated or it's mentioned 152 times in the Old Testament. 95 times it's referred to as rejoice. It means to delight in or take pleasure in or to have joy. See, we're to choose happiness in your spouse, in your husband, specifically for all you husbands, choose the happiness in your, in your wife that would last a lifetime. You notice it says, it does not say rejoice in your young wife, because let's face it, we're all gonna grow old, we're all gonna go wrinkly uh, for all the men out there. Um, we're all gonna get receding hairline and gain weight, but it's all part of uh, being a human being. But Proverbs chapter 5 wisely points out, not that you rejoice in your young wife, but she is the wife of your youth. However long you live as husband and wife, she will always be that girl. Like, look at, if you're watching church right now with your spouse, uh, look at your wife. Right? She's the girl you married when you guys were both young. The passing years have no power to change that tender reality of the beautiful woman that you married. She's that girl who gave herself to you on your wedding day. She's that girl uh, she, who put her arms around you to support you. She's the one that uh, made your heart uh, beat faster. Uh, the one who took your breath away. She is the, the, the woman, the same girl that you were willing to uh, shave and take a shower and buy nicer clothes and get a gym membership, um, that you're willing to work harder and, and, and excel at school and do your best so that you could provide for her and have a great future together for you and your children. Uh, think even further back of how you two first started. Remember when you first began dating and uh, you fell in love and you got engaged? That wonderful feeling of romance that you experienced together is really one of life's greatest privileges and one of life's greatest joys. Uh, 
it wasn't your home runs at work, even though it was a small part of it, but uh, the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 says that it is the very flame of the Lord. That this love connection that you first had, it comes, it is a gift of God Himself. It is a sacred fire Himself ignited for your joy, but for His glory. Rejoice, take pleasure, delight, be happy in the wife of your youth. You know, God instituted this in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5. It says, when a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he has taken. You, you guys catch that? You guys see that? That God has instituted, He has designed the systemic infrastructure and law. He put it into law in Deuteronomy and how they are to live is that there's an institution of joy and happiness and rejoicing in young love, in puppy, in, in puppy love. This is a picture of Renee and I, uh, winter formal in 2002. Look at those young puppies, right? Madly in love. The first time we met, Renee and I met, we met at a jazz club. And one of the things that I love about her during that time, I was taking conga lessons and I was really into percussion and music. And of course, she's in, she was taking the music program and... Um, we met at a jazz club, and when we started hanging out, we used to go to jazz clubs together. Um, we would have uh, late night study sessions, and we'd go to Denny's and go to Starbucks and, and uh, study together, spend time, know about each other. Um, you know, I remember going to movie, premiere, movie premieres at night when a movie would first come out and staying late night and just enjoying those times and, and giving a be the best version of myself to her. Uh, Solomon says, hey, instead of like, hey, don't, don't think about adultery. Don't think about sinning. Don't think about another woman. Don't think about, he's like, no, no, no. Hey, rejoice. Take pleasure, delight, be happy in the wife of your youth. Here's the first application point for us. Would you write this down? Return to your first love. Return to your first love. Remember in Revelation uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now the context of this is that this is the church in Ephesus where um, Paul tells them, I pray that you would know the depth of Christ's love, the height, the length, the breadth, the width. And he says, hey, do the things that you did at first. Go back to your first love. Often in the Bible, there's uh, uh, three uh, phases, not phases, but there's three stances, as it were, 
uh, one stance would be like, hey, do the things, go back, go back to the things you did at first. Remember your first love. Other instances would be like, stay right where you're at. And other instances, it would be um, press forward, Philippians, right? Press forward to the upward call of God. Forget what happens before. But uh, here, in thinking about your marriage and how to have the wisdom and the right uh, decision and the life skill to have uh, a blessed future and to have a, a healthy and a robust marriage, a thriving marriage, uh, Solomon says, go back to your first love. Uh, rejoice in the wife of your first love. And this is our wedding day picture, October 8th, uh, 2005. This is the wife of my youth. This is my first love. Oh, look at that. Look at, just look at the the sense of awe and the sense of gaze and just uh, joy in my eyes looking at my bride. Before Renee and I were even dating, uh, one of the reasons why I knew she was the one was um, after youth service one time, she was going to a different church, I was going to a different church. I was, I was youth pastoring at the time and uh, I was just kind of sharing, oh, I'm kind of doubting the call of God in my life, you know, I, I, I don't know if I'll step into my parent, my dad's expectation because he's a pastor and my older brother, he was a youth pastor and he was in seminary. It's like, I don't know what to do. And, and I remember Renee's like, hey, let me pray for you. And at that moment, it just kind of clicked. I'm like, man, she is the kind of girl that I could spend the rest of my life with. Because I was used to pouring out. I was used to serving. I was used to being the youth pastor and, and teaching and preaching and discipling and building relationships and giving unto others. And here she was. She's like, hey, let me uh, pour into you. Let me pray for you. Let me uphold you. And it just kind of clicked. Man, she could be the one. And she's still that very same woman. She's still the very same bride that I, that I fell in love with. You know, just going back to the to our history and when we felt like the Lord was closing the door at our time in Los Angeles in LA. This was 12 years ago and we didn't know what to do. I reached out to uh, Aaron Cordero, Pastor Wayne's son. And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm looking, I'm a youth pastor. My wife does worship and, and Aaron's like, what? Okay, does Renee still do worship? Why don't you come down? And, you know, at that time, there were, we had Judah and Noah. We were living with my parents, and we lived with her parents, and we lived back with my parents again. Like, we couldn't even afford to move out on our own and to live on our own. And our stuff was in storage because we stayed at my parents' house. And she said, babe, I love you. I believe in you. He goes, let's go to storage right now and let's sell uh, some stuff. I'm gonna sell a bunch of my stuff so that we can pay for your plane ticket and then you go to Hawaii and you see if the Lord deposits something, if the Lord confirms something, but I love you, I got you. And she believed in me and she loved me unconditionally, supported me and this is the same woman and this is the wife of my youth. And the same 
picture and the same smile that I have um, on our wedding day. That's the, the that's the joy that and that's a love that I feel for my wife. And it should be the same for you and for me. That there's a sense of like oh, going back, enjoying, rejoicing in who your wife is and who your husband is. So what does it mean to return to your first love? I'll just give a couple pointers here. One is, man, just um, enjoy each other's company. Like all throughout the day, just text each other. Uh, hey, babe, miss you, love you, send funny memes. You know, don't be forwarding articles. And Can you believe this happened? Like, enjoy uh, life together. Right? Enjoy each other's company. Here's one. Uh, date often. Go on date nights. It's a part of a rhythm that every week, once a week, we go and uh, get dressed up, right? Uh, take a shower, comb my hair, and put on a, you know, a button-up. Uh, just like what I'm wearing now, and we go on a date night. My kids make fun of us because we go to, recently we've been enjoying like, uh, they call it bougie pizza, where we just sit down, you know, we get the kids Costco pizza, while we enjoy uh, pizza at Brickfire Tavern in Kaimuki, and we just have, it reminds us of the days when we used to go out in jazz clubs and uh, eat, you know, nice food and and. And, you know, your date nights doesn't have to be expensive. There's been times where we just go and grab coffee and just kind of talk and relax. So other date nights, we just drive a car, go to Irma's, past Sandy Beach, go to the sand and just kind of roll down the windows and just take in. We're like, man, of all the places, this is where God has planted us and we get to do this together, babe. And and uh, our love and our sense of awe and our affection is renewed um, and rekindled uh, for the Lord, for Jesus, but also towards each other. Have date nights often. And, you know, not every night does it mean you, when the, you, could, you put the kids down, you turn on the TV and just kind of veg. But like, hey, turn off the TV and connect. Laugh, share how your day was and, and just, have that heart-to-heart -heart connection. Enjoy the wife of your youth. Uh, secondly, we'll go ahead and close with this, is that consider your legacy for the coming generations. I just don't want us to be focused on not, don't hit the trees, don't hit the trees, right? But follow the path, follow the snow. It's so easy to think about the negative effects of adultery, of, of marital unfaithfulness, of, of marital infidelity. You know, we could focus on the uh, shame that it will bring and the hurt that it will bring your children and your, uh, the, the community of faith that we're at. Uh, it could bring misery to so many levels, introduces betrayal into your legacy. Um, we could talk about, oh, God um, hates divorce and God takes sexual sins very seriously. You know, we could say First Corinthians one or First Corinthians six, nine, and ten that uh, adultery without repentance it could it damns a soul, and we could say about oh you know Jesus um, 
took sin very seriously, Matthew 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, that if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right arm causes you to sin, chop it off. But um, could we focus, uh, man, on just loving Jesus? And could we focus on rejoicing in the wife of your youth and focus and shift our paradigm to the legacy for the coming generations? Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 2 says, No one born of a forbidden marriage or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. And check this out, not even to the 10th generation. Very soon, your life and my life in this world will be over. What will we leave behind? Right now is your one it's your precious, it's your unrepeatable opportunity to leave a legacy for the future. How will you and your wife or your husband live this brief life will matter for a very long time? Deuteronomy says it's to the 10th generation. Uh, Pastor Ray and uh, Jenny Ortland, they were thinking about this is one of their foundational verses for their marriage and they were thinking about what does that look like to the 10th generation they're married in 1971 just the two of them but they calculated with their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to the 10th generation it could be 52,488 people in the Ortland Ohana as it were in the 10th generations. And they were just kind of thinking, man, what kind of legacy will we live, leave behind and, and pass off of this godliness where we seek Christ first, where we love each other, where we uh, give sacrificially, where we love our neighbor, where we reach others for Christ. And I wanna challenge us with that. What kind of uh, lasting legacy, think about 10 generations down, right? Think about your, not just your kids, but your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids. Think about not oh, the material possessions or wealth, but the spiritual inheritance that you're going to pass down for generations to come. Amen? Well, let's go ahead and receive um, our communion uh, this morning. Well, the Bible says, For I received from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, uh, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, This is my body, broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your broken body. God, that... It's through your broken body that we're able to have wholeness. Wholeness in health, wholeness in spirit, wholeness in emotions, wholeness, Lord God, in purpose. Lord, I just pray right now as we eat this bread that you would bring uh, sustenance, that you would bring strength to your people. Lord, I pray right now that as we eat this bread that we would empty ourselves and confess. Confess, oh Lord Jesus, where we have um, kind of become calloused and kind of got used to um, 
lukewarmness in our relationship with you and even in our marriage, oh Lord Jesus. I pray right now that you would rekindle that flame, that we would return to our first love, which is you, oh Lord God. And from that place of loving you, that we'll be able to have delight and rejoice in our relationships with one another. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink the cup together. Amen.